Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, and with me tonight is Elaine Shercliffe and Eric Seeds. What's up, guys? Uh, I actually have to bow out of this podcast. It turns out I was just traded to the Anaheim blog for a guy who's made two comments. Yeah, that's uh, that's a prelude to, obviously, some of these crazy moves that we've been seeing over the last week or so. But what about you, Elaine? Enjoying my day off from work, trying to... Hope that the Monsters get some more signings soon since there's really no one on the team right now. (laughs) Yeah, and we still have to figure out when the season's going to start, what the AHL situation's going to be like. But I think even though it doesn't look very promising so far, I think both teams are going to have some more moves, hopefully, I guess. Maybe Cleveland more so than anybody. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and the AHL will have the option of putting people in the ECHL, so since the ECHL is actually going to start in December. Right. Well, we'll go ahead and get started because we have quite a few topics. So I'm going to start with kind of what happened in chronological order. So before the draft started last Tuesday, we had a trade where Josh Anderson was dealt to Montreal for Max Domi. Both players have since signed new deals. Andy gets seven years in Montreal. Max Domi, two years, 5.3 annual average value with the Jackets. So, see, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on this trade? I think I know where you're going to go, at least on the Andy side of things. Well, it sucks losing Josh. It does. Uh, I know he had a, obviously he had a really bad season last year, 26 games, one goal scored. That's not going to cut it under any circumstances. But it does suck to lose Josh. He's, uh, you know, a big body. You can't teach size and you can't teach speed. And Anderson had both of those. He was kind of an enforcer, you know, obviously we've all seen the comp, uh, comps to Tom Wilson. So it, it sucks losing a guy like that, especially when you think back. He, he scored the shorthanded goal against Tampa Bay in game one to equalize that, uh, that game as the Jackets eventually went on to win and sweep the lightning. It's tough losing Josh. I, I can't say I am surprised that he was traded. Obviously, we've all heard the rumors for months and months and months that there you know there were contract difficulties that there were Josh might not want to be here but then he says he wants to be in Columbus long term but then there's discussions about the term as they're trying to come to this agreement 
And eventually, he's traded to Montreal for Max Domi. The Domi trade fills a position of need. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into more about what Domi means later. But once Josh got to Montreal, he then signed a big seven-year, $5.5 million a year contract. And I, once once I saw that come down, I was like, yeah, Columbus was never giving him that term. They might have matched the dollars, but they were never giving him seven years. That just wasn't going to happen. That's not what Yarmo does. He's given... Cam Atkinson, a seven-year contract, and he's given Nathan Horton a seven-year contract. I believe those are the only two seven-year deals he's signed. So, so yeah, so so Yarmo's not giving Josh that term. So I can't be surprised that if that's what Josh was looking for, that he was traded. I wish him nothing but the best. I have no ill will towards him. I, uh, I'm very happy for the time we had him here. I'm thankful we got to see him. I hope his shoulder is healthy and he does well in 79 games next season or uh, every time they don't play Columbus. Thanks to Josh for all you did. And I'm like I said, I'm sure we'll get into Max Domi here in a little bit. From a Monsters perspective, it's really weird to see all these Calder Cup champions kind of just like fade away from, <laughs> from the organization. You know, and Josh was such a kind guy he was super nice and very wonderful to the media so that's something I'm definitely gonna miss because it just because I'm the monsters beat reporter doesn't mean you don't have interactions with jackets players every now and that and again but you know like he wasn't gonna get that long term like seed said it wasn't gonna happen the price was pretty decent for but even then, when you consider who else we have to sign on the team to that probably deserves more money than him, giving him that amount of money, yeah, I thought the price was fair. Wouldn't sit well with some of those guys. And he plays really heavy; like his hits are really heavy. He throws his body around. He needed a long term because those guys are prone to injuries. It made sense for him to try to lock down a big contract. But like you said, Yarmo Yarmo doesn't like to spend the money and he doesn't want to spend the terms. So it wasn't gonna happen. I mean he signed Domi to two hundred grand less. I don't think the money was the issue. I think it was solely about the term. He was never giving Josh seven. If if Josh would have taken four, I think he'd I think Josh would still be a blue jacket, but I just don't think that was going to happen. From the Max Domi side of things, I mean, what do you guys think about him? Because he he should fulfill that 2C hole, I guess, on the line in the lineup. You know, obviously another guy is gone now. We'll get to that later. But two years, I mean, if it doesn't work out, he can be gone in two years, but it's not really a, a risky deal, right? No, it's a pretty low risk deal. I've seen a lot of a lot of things that where it's like, you know, it's two years, these these two sides can kind of get to know each other better. Domi did say in his Zoom with the media that it's like it's nice to come somewhere where I'm wanted. So obviously he was on his outs with Montreal and Montreal did have to pay a little more to get 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 Josh Anderson. They they threw in the pick. So it's nice to it was nice to see Domi come here and then sign right away, no fuss, no muss. And I guess you know, when you when both players uh, share an agent, kind of makes that transition a little easier. But yeah, Domi Domi will fit in the lineup just fine. He uh, he'll be the two C behind Pierre Luc Dubois. Domi's averaged fifty points a season the last couple years. That'll that'll be really nice. Even forty four points, which is what he had last year, would have made the Blue Jacket would have been really nice to have for, from a Columbus Blue Jackets perspective. They uh, like forty four points from Max Domi last year would have put him 
second on the team in scoring behind Pierre-Luc Dubois. So it's it's obviously a good signing. It's low risk in, in that it's two years. And given that everyone drops off the cap in two years, we'll have the room to re-sign him if, if he fits well on the roster. He's going to probably play with like Cam Atkinson and I don't know, hopefully not Nick Foligno in a top six role. So the opportunity is going to be there for him. He'll probably get some power play time. He said he's excited to work with Torch. He talked like 15 of the guys on the roster. He's familiar with Columbus. Josh Anderson had shown him around the town and they were ironically playing golf together when this trade went down. Domi said he found out on like the 15th tee or 15th green when he walked off the green and saw he had like eight missed calls that he'd been traded to Columbus. So He's come to a place that's familiar, slot into a nice role. He'll get hopefully 16 to 18 minutes a night, have every opportunity to take advantage of it. Now it's just down to him to produce, and I think he will. So I'm I'm happy that Domi is here. I wish he'd gotten a little more term, but I, I get it given given that you know there's there's so much cap space in that in that one off season. So Best of luck to Domi. I hope it works out, and I really hope he takes off and we, we have our top two centers for the next couple of years here. That'd be, that'd be nice. Yeah, I think it helps, too, that Domi knows a bunch of the guys on the team just because he is so close with Josh Anderson. So from a locker room perspective, it won't be a big leap. It won't be a big adjustment for him or the guys on the team. From the on-ice perspective, it's going to be really nice to have centers that actually finish the job <laughs> as opposed to passing it or trying to create constantly create another play when they could have just shot it. Not that I want to hear people yelling shoot from the stance every five seconds, but like I felt like that's something we had to do with when certain centers were on the ice. <laughs> and he he also can get under people's skin. Yeah. Like father, like son. Right, exactly. Like, it, and we need we need that aggression. We might be losing the size, but we're not losing the attitude or toughness that Josh brought to the exactly. roster. I love the video that I saw Felino uh, taking down Domi, but I think they'll be they'll be good as teammates now. And you know, I can't remember, but when I talked to Jody Shelley a few years ago, I cannot remember if he talked about his battles with Ty Domi. I know he talked about Bob Probert and guys like that, but I know there's some good stories though, between Ty and Jody, like when they were in the penalty box and Ty sent over his signed hockey stick. Uh, I know El Polito uh, reminded me about that one, but uh, yeah, yeah. So definitely some good, I'm sure Jody will have some good, yeah. good stories about those, uh, those, those old days. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like the Domi signing. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I, I'm excited for, uh, Ty Domi to be in the same arena as Amy Jones for multiple games a year. I feel like it's just going to be a wild ride for the Nationwide Arena staff. Like the energy is going to be so off the charts <laughs> when they're both there at the same time. Like it's going to be great. Yeah, it should be fun. Well, whenever that season starts, which I think is going to be January, but we'll, we'll we'll see how that plays. So uh, on to the next topic. Obviously, the NHL draft was last Tuesday and Wednesday, and the Jackets of course, kind of sticking to brand, I guess, kind of went off the board and got Yegor Chinikov. I think I'm saying that name right. So Yarmo said he was his, one of his top 10 targets. Some people would say, why didn't you trade down or, you know, why didn't you get him later? But Seeds has his hands up. It sounds like this guy has a lot of potential upside, but we probably won't see him anytime soon. A couple of years, probably at the earliest, but Seeds, uh, 
Go ahead. What, what was your thoughts? Yeah, anytime you can draft a guy who might not come over to the 2025 presidential inauguration, you just have to do it, right? Look, obviously, I'm not an NHL scout. We all know that. I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not breaking. I'm not breaking new ground that I'm not an NHL scout. But I've come to trust some some of the guy. A lot of the scouting reports that you know we read on a daily basis that we hear from that guys who do these mock drafts you know they're they're paid to do this for a reason this is their entire business model they know what they're doing the, uh, and i also understand that if you have a guy that you like you take them when they're available and i have i want to just also note before i start to say say this that i have nothing against the player he did he didn't draft himself in the first round in fact by his own admission he thought he was a third or fourth he was asleep during the draft well, right. He didn't get drafted last year and he was unsure if he was going to even go in the first, second or even the third round this year just because of where he plays and how few scouts go to see that specific team play. So, yeah. So with all that said, I want to question the process that gets someone like that, an overager who's not totally blowing it up, lighting it up over there like you'd like to see from an overager gets them to 21st overall. I don't like I, I get the Yarmo is Yarmo's thing is that he drafts Europeans, you know, it worked out with a guy like Elvis, you know, supposedly we have all these Russians in the pipeline now that who knows if or when they're coming over. This is yet another draft pick that we don't know what's going to happen. And like, for example, the year Yarmo had three first round draft picks, those turned into Alex Winberg since bought out, Marco Dano not qualified, and Kirby Reichel, who knows where he is. Yarmo's hit rate in the back end of the draft is pretty good with guys like Mark Snudavara, guys like that. Our first round drafting outside of no-brainers like Warinsky or PLD, who, was, who while he was... While it was bold to take him over Jesse Pugliarvi, who was a top five talent, Yarmo's hit rate in the first round isn't all that great. Chinikov, Chinikov, not entirely sure how to say his name. I hope it works out, but man, I just, I want to, I have to question the process that gets you there. there there's been reporting that, yeah, maybe there might have been another team that was considering him in the first round, but that could just be smoke. That could, I don't know. No one had him rated in the first round. He was, a lot of teams had him, or a lot of scouting places had him rated between like 90 and 150, and he was taken 21st. He was the 30th rated European skater going into this draft. And, he, and again, he went 21st overall. I'm just, with other value there on the board, I just, it just, it, it's, it's baffling to me. And especially when it comes out that the guy is going to, has an extension on the table to sign for three years to stay in the KHL till the, after the 2024 season, like guys, I'm starting. I, I I just worry that in you know because we because then you know Columbus obviously doesn't control development, doesn't have any say over development or usage or utilization or learning the system outside of you know a visit with a scout every now and then. Like it's a head scratcher to say the very least. First, I. You know, sitting on press row at the Monsters game, you get surrounded by a lot of scouts. And so I've obviously taken my time to sit there and ask them a bunch of questions and get to know them about what the thought process is for each team and get kind of like just a kind of look at what it's like to be a scout. And every single one of them will tell you that those lists are not 100% accurate because you cannot watch every single player play 
You cannot see how every single player plays against each other either. It's it's literally impossible. No one can do it. So if a scout sees something that they like and then a GM goes and decides to spend more time looking at them and sees more and more that they like, um, it's my understanding that this kid is actually really good on the power play as well, which is something that we struggle with. So that could have been something he took into account. Yeah, the power play was something I, I pointed out too. Yeah. And so another thing... But again, that doesn't help us in the immediate. True. The next thing is, one of my sources told me that, yes, it is true. Someone was planning on drafting him, bot- like the upper 20s of the draft, like not far after the Jackets. And I don't know if it's because that team wanted him or if they wanted Yarmo to bite because they knew that Yarmo wanted him. Like all of those are very real possibilities. I don't know what team it was or else I would have probably gone and asked and tried to figure out from that team. (laughs) But in the thing of his contract, they have come out and they have said they are not talking about it until after the season, until after they're done playing in the playoffs. Like he, that he doesn't want to talk about it. He wants to figure out what's next. Is he going to come to the NHL? Are they going to work it into the contract that there's an NHL out, which is super rare and super hard, but he, they could, that team could retain the rights to him in case maybe he is a a dud or they decide to put him in the AHL. And he's like, no, I don't want to go in the AHL. Then they can send him back over, over there. So I hope they're able to, if they can, in the best interest of this player, and which will also work out for the Jackets, is to have this player somehow work it out that he can get the extension, but also have an NHL out clause. That would be the best, in my opinion, way that that could work out for all, for at least two of the three parties. It doesn't really work out the best for, for the KHL team because. <laughs> If he decides to take the out, you're kind of missing a, a player. But I, I trust the scouts that look over in for the European players, especially if they didn't really plan on taking him in the first round to begin with, because they they are really good scouts. There's a it, it just a lot of it came down to development with some of them as well. And development for players has definitely gotten better in the in the organization. So at least at the AHL level, I can't say as much about how well they develop players when they get to the NHL. What what just scares me about that is there's a lot of ifs there and there's there were guys available with fewer ifs and I just but It's always an if. Anytime you draft anyone it's an if. Yes, there is. Carson Meyer. Let's take the biggest if. Carson Meyer, I know they drafted him way late, but they're thinking he was going to come here and I don't even think he signed to stay to even wanted to. I think he wants to go visit the the waters. Every single draft is a big if. Every draft. But the problem is you're talking draft. about Carson Meyer who was a late draft pick. This is no, a but first that's an example. That's an example. No, wait, but it's pretty, okay. but it's Has, did Alexander Wenberg work out? Did Wenberg work out? No. He just put exactly. it in big if. Right. It's a big if. The draft is a big, big if. And you cannot hang your hat. The only one that ever worked out 100% is Sidney Crosby. And Connor McDavid. Only Patrick one. Kane. And Mark Andre. You know Alex, like Alex Ovechkin exists. Patrick Kane. Um, uh, I'm just saying, like, Jonathan when it comes Hayes to won three cups. Uh, they were able to help develop them. Sidney Crosby came in already. I'm just saying, like, the draft is 
super fallible. It's incredibly fallible. And you can't sit there and... Con- well, you drafted a guy who you might not even see for four years on North American ice. That's just not... And everybody does it. And you might not even see him not play at all. Someone could get an injury. <laughs> even in the first round. Like, it's ridiculous. The, the draft is super fallible. Nothing is set in stone. Every single draft pick has its own risk, but there are some guys where if everybody, if every analyst says this guy is a surefire, can't miss, and then he misses, well, it's not the GM's fault when everybody said the same thing. But if you take a guy that no one's heard of, and then that guy does suck, and then the GM took that guy, and you know, it's, it's going to look bad in five years, potentially. I'm not saying it will. But it's just how like, many it's analysts just like, have seen everyone play? You haven't well, they, seen everyone play. I know, play. but like, what I'm saying so is... Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Objective. Like, like Yarmo got panned for taking Dubois. If he had taken Jesse Pugliarvi, everybody would be like, well, we all thought he was going to be great anyway. He took Dubois. Dubois was better, and he looked good for it. But at the same time, if you but take you a know, guy... But, every- but Dubois was also a first-round talent. This guy... Right. But, like, if every guy... But if we every- don't know if this guy's a first-round talent or not because not enough people saw him play. And even if you are good enough, he sometimes went, he people went don't... He undrafted and was rated in the 150s. And because, took him last year, because, last year, because last year, everyone was so obsessed with the U18 U.S. national team. Everyone was so obsessed with that it. That doesn't mean you... That doesn't have... I, I, bet, I bet half the teams didn't even look beyond that U.S. National Development Program. Um, I'm pretty sure they so, probably did because there's so more than 28 guys in, who get drafted a year. I'm pretty sure they would have looked beyond the U.S. U18. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so on to the next topic. So the Jackets have bought out Alexander Wenberg. He has since signed in Florida. They traded Marcus Dudovar to Florida for Cliff Pooh. And then Ryan Murray has been traded to New Jersey for a 2021 draft pick. So, Elaine, I'll start with you. All these moves, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it was time for Wenberg to go, and it didn't seem like anyone was willing to trade for him, but they were willing to pick him up. Like. for a less expensive salary. Um, you know, Bill Zito's out there pulling a Stan Bowman, trying to get the, the fan back together, apparently. 
all of these guys, it's tough, I think, for some of the players because they were such locker room guys and were great with with the fans as well. But unfortunately, this is a business. And looking forward to the future, not just this free agency, but next free agency, there does need to be a good number of cap space to be signing people within the organization. Cliff Pooh is an interesting situation because he started out very strong and then he just kind of tapered off. I don't really know what happened. He bounced between the ECHL and AHL and I'm not really sure what happened there. Mike Eves is the kind of coach who can figure out what happened and figure out if it's fixable. So that's to me is a plus that we at least have a coach that's going to be able to figure that out. I I don't think that any of these moves made the jackets worse. I obviously don't think it made them better, but it, the jackets need a defender who is healthy for a whole season. Now, granted, we're going to have a shortened season, so this will probably be the year that Ryan Murray stays healthy all season and <laughs> and lights it up. So. Will it be a shortened season? I, I can't imagine playing 82 games from January to April, May because they can't. I can't either. Can't but that's, play, what I, that's what I heard that they wanted to do. It, it, I can't imagine that happening at all. And they can't play longer because the Olympics are happening and NBC won't give up time. Oh, that's right. The Olympics. First of all, thank God the Alex Winberg experiment is over. The Alex Winberg experience was good for one year. He was paid off of that one year and has never lived up to it. This was the last year the team could buy him out and save significant dollars. Winberg will count 500 grand against the salary cap this year, which in a flat cap year isn't nothing. It's more than they would have been able to trade him for and had a team forced them to retain salary, it would have been more than that. It just made financial sense to pay him to go away. I wish him the best of luck in Florida. He's being paid more appropriately given his production and his ability over the last few years. I hope it works out. I wish him all the best. I am very glad I do not have to watch him and wish good things for him on the ice on a nightly basis for 82 nights a year. I could not be more thrilled that that experience is over. Trading Ryan Murray, I I get that they traded him. I understand why they traded him, given his injuries. Maybe there wasn't more value than a fifth-round pick. So be it. Trading Ryan Murray is what it is. It sucks that he was that he was never healthy outside of like one season and he never really lived up to the number two overall pick. And yet somehow was still more productive in his career than the number one pick that year, Nail Yakupov. I wish Ryan Murray all the best. It just of course in a Columbus Blue Jackets way when they bought him out and everything go wrong and earn a top three pick that their top three pick just does nothing. That just is the most Blue Jackets thing ever. I feel bad for Ryan Murray. I hope it works out. I hope he plays well going forward. Trading Marcus Nudavara, I will never, ever get over this. Did you guys know that Marcus Nudavara has played the 15th most games of his entire draft class, including more games than Matt Barzal has for the New York Islanders? Players who play more games than Nudavara, who was, again, a 7th round pick, taken 189th overall, include Miko Rantanen, Zach Wierenski, Travis Konechny, Sebastian Ajo, Ivan Provorov, 
couple guys named Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. They traded him for a guy who played 10 AHL games last year, who played 50 games in the ECHL and dumped salary cap. I will never understand this trade. I will never understand what Yarmo was doing here other than doing his old friend Billy Zito a favor down in Florida and helping his Sergei Broski out. Cliff Poo is in the last year of his ELC. Probably won't see the ice for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He hasn't seen the ice in the Florida Panthers organization. I fundamentally don't understand what they were doing here. If you wanted to dump a terrible defenseman who for nothing... Scott Harrington's right there. But Nudavara makes more money, and it's clear he wanted to clear cap space for some reason. That's fine. I'd raise a bake sale. And if, if you told me Nudavara and Scott Harrington are right there, you got to get rid of one of them, I'm pretty sure I could make up with the rest of a bake sale. It's $1 million, the difference between Harrington and Nudavara. I don't understand paying Nudavara to be... Like, they basically took him and put a sign on his shirt that said, Free to Good Home, and left him on neil avenue outside nationwide arena it's mind-boggling they traded two roster players for a guy who spent the majority of his season in the ahl and a fifth round draft pick that's just not good asset management now andrew peak might be nhl ready and clearly they value dean kukin very highly that's fine but you're one injury away from nhl regular scott harrington and we've all seen how that goes and that answer is incredibly terribly i I don't think this is great asset management by Yarmo. I think he has taken a position of depth and strength, which was the blue line going into this offseason and reduced it to peanuts for no value other than cap space. And I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit his, we need to protect ourselves from an offer sheet against PLD. But doing this not only weakens your strength for no good reason, it doesn't offer anything to the current roster as constructed. It doesn't offer much, if anything, to the Cleveland Monsters right now as constructed. I I, I don't understand the Marcus Univar trade. Again, for a guy who has contributed more to an NHL roster than nearly everyone in his draft class outside of, like, top 10 draft picks or top 30 draft picks. Like if you, if you go down a list of guys who've played the most games, it's five, two, one, seven, 35th overall, Sebastian Ajo, Marner at four, Warinsky, uh, Pavel Zaka, Timo Meyer, Kyle Connor, and then Marcus Nudavara, this out, this outsider here who has dealt with injuries, might've fallen out of favor because he was hurt last year, but still has played more NHL games than most anyone else in his draft class and was traded for a guy who was mostly in the ECHL net last year. I just, I don't understand that asset management that even as a cap dump, that's not a good trade. I it's, it just makes no sense to me. There was like two things that I, that I was thinking about last week. So when I was recapping the draft, I kept thinking about all of these lefty shots that Yarmo kept drafting. And then thinking about the Cliff Poo thing, it's like this guy, this team will probably have a million injuries next year. He'll probably somehow come up and have like a great five-game stretch or something weird like that. Because that's what this team does. We always count them out in November, or in this case, probably like February or March or whatever when the season starts. And then they'll have some seven or eight seed type uh, of a year. But I don't know. But uh, who's but who's the right wing? We've got a million. We've got a million of those. I'm not counting anybody out as far as next year's injury list. See, to stay with the monsters, I really thought that I got excited about Gavin Bayer there because I was like, oh, they signed him, and he the the jacket signed him to two way. Like this is great. He'll play well with Adam Clendenning on the first pairing, but. It's my understanding that the Jackets are trying to mold Clendenning to be in the NHL. 
to play up top. And so, and they also want to try and maybe keep Carlson if possible. So I'm not really sure (laughs) how all of that's going to work out this, this coming season, if they plan on keeping all those guys up there. So yeah, they, it would be nice if they started signing some two way guys because (laughs) there's not a whole lot down there right now. They, they've left the monsters really bare. They've traded NHL assets for very nice, hot, nice draft position and next year's fifth round pick. I'm not the GM. I'm not in charge. I just, I'm just a dude on a podcast asking questions and I just would like a little clarity here. We got to touch upon the Miko Koivu signing. So he comes over from Minnesota. Another, another fin for Yarmo. I actually, okay. So I like, I like Koivu for what he should be able to provide. Now, obviously, I'm not saying he should be getting, you know, first line minutes, but in his own role for like a 37 year old, he should have a nice, you know, a nice role. But it shouldn't be more than that. Like, I get what I get what you're thinking, Seeds, but I'm saying I'm just saying for what he should be able to do. And it's funny. What got me was what got me was when he said, I am looking at the Blue Jackets because I want to have a taste of the playoffs. And it's like, when does a guy ever say that about the Blue Jackets? But it's true. They've been in the playoffs four straight years. I like what Koivu, I like him. I like what he can provide as a 3C or whatever. But obviously, if he's your headline move, then you've got problems. So I'm hoping that's not the case, but who knows. So Seeds, Koivu, uh, <laughs> what do you think? If you view him strictly in the, this guy is replacing Alex Wenberg in the lineup role. I don't mind it. I actually think Koivu provides some value there. Yeah, he's he's 37, coming off a blown ACL. You know, I, I talked to a buddy of mine who does who's a Minnesota Wild fan. He's like, yeah, Koivu doesn't have much in the tank, but in like a low four C in like a four C role and, and on some PK minutes, he's got value. And fine, that's by the end of it, that's about all Winberg offered. To be totally honest, my worry is we're going to ask him to do too much to start the season. And if and but if they recognize that, if they don't do that or recognize that mistake quickly and resolve it and have him play four C and have Riley Nash play up, it's fine. I'm I'm frankly okay with Miko Koivu like signing on a you know one year deal, show up in the locker room, say hey guy, you know you got some young guys, maybe like take a Kevin Stemlin under your wing and say hey this is how you this is how you play the NHL. You know he's he's an older center. We don't really have one of those on the roster. That's fine. I don't honestly hate the Miko Koivu signing in a vacuum. Like you said, Will, if that's your if that's your marquee move of the offseason, then I'm going to start asking some questions. Right. I don't think they planned it to be their marquee signing in the offseason. <laughs> I think... <laughs> we'll get there. But I'm excited to see Boone Jenner go back to his normal role of left wing because that's where he flourishes. That's where he's the best at having him at center because he played better than the other centers on the team (laughs) was obviously the right choice, but hurt them in a sense because he just does so much better on the wing. It will be great to see him not have to constantly feel like he has to finish I am impressed with Koivu's ability to consistently have in between the 51% and 55% range for um, face-off percentage. That's something that the Jackets really need as well. And maybe he can come in and teach people 
about Face Off. It's certainly an upgrade from Alexander Wittenberg in that, in that area. I think a part of it too is he's always, you know, I think a lot. I think a lot of us here on at the site have watched, grown up watching him play because he's been around for what fifteen years, right? I guess like grown up, I was a senior in high school <laughs> or like a freshman in college fifteen years ago. But <laughs> on his, per his per his hockey reference page, I was a sophomore in high school. His first year in the league. It's been a while. We've watched him for a while, and. I, I can honestly say I love the way that he does face-offs because he's able to talk to the guys on the flanks and read the guy other teams' flank flankers and just know how to make it work. And when he's not at the center, like at, to take the face-off, and he's yeah, on the flank. winning a defensive zone face-off for once. Yeah, nice. so he. I mean, he's good in 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 all areas of the face-off. So it's just it. If he can teach other people how to do that too, as well, like get that through their heads, the importance of the flanks, not just the person taking it. I think you'll see face-off numbers across the team just rise. So that I think that's a plus. And my and it, they, he's a good a leader who actually like walks the walk. He was our captain in Minnesota, right? And he knew how to walk to the walk as well. Like he didn't just talk the talk. He didn't just say all right, the right I'm, things. I, I'm f- in, like I said, in the vac in the in a vacuum, I'm fine with the signing. I just I don't want it to be all that happens. And that leads us, I think, to our last topic. What is the strategy from here? Because like we're waiting. Like Yarmo, what's up? Like, is there an internal cap? Uh, were you planning on other moves? I'm sure you were. But uh, you know, we know that PLD has to be signed. You know, there's other things that are still in play, I guess. But otherwise, you know, Taylor Hall just signed with Buffalo for one year, eight million. Uh, Alex Petrangelo is going to Vegas. So uh, you know, I think you could have signed a guy like Hall. I mean, maybe they tried. I don't know what they offered him, or but. You could have gotten a guy like that, I guess, on a one-year deal. And he's going to Buffalo. It's not even like it's Colorado. Seeds, you said Colorado. That would have made sense for a year or two-year deal with Stanley Cup. He's going to Buffalo. We know Buffalo is probably not going to do anything next year. Maybe they will. I, I don't say, know. Well, it's a good thing we know what, per Elliot Friedman, what Columbus offered him. They had they offered him uh, a, apparently a seven-year deal in the fives. They offered him approximately Josh Anderson money. Right, right. A seven-year deal? They That's offered him like, a, roughly the Josh Anderson deal that Josh got. I hate seven-year deal. They offered him roughly what Josh got in Montreal. He's not. He's going to get more than that, and he's going to get that next year probably as our UFA. And he's a Hart Trophy winner. Right, right, yeah. But, like, imagine how much the Jackets would have to pay him after one year. Like, if he does really well, then they'd have to pay him more. And they have so many other people to think about locking up. I mean, look at Z and look at Jones. And it's like, there's so many moving parts. And we don't but know what the expansion draft is To offer him what Cam Atkinson makes, for the love of God, you they, 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 they paid Alex Winberg $5 million off of one year like my at this point i have to assume there's an internal cap and they're just trying to sign pld and gavrikov because otherwise lowballing taylor hall just makes absolutely no sense like i would have honestly felt better not knowing what we offered him and he just said he just told columbus to like go to hell like that would have honestly made me feel better because Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall going to Buffalo in a low pressure situation, playing next to Jack Eichel, who's a top five center in the NHL right now, and cashing in next season. 
makes sense. Like I, that that's fine. But to know that we not, not only lost out on him, but offered him the Cam Atkinson contract makes no sense. Cause Cam is objectively worse than Taylor Hall. Yeah. I, <laughs> But the Jackets have and never will offer people that kind of money. Knowing that they're going to have to give him even no, no, but the eight, <laughs> no, the the Taylor Hall contract one year, eight like million dollars from Buffalo. They're never, they're never going to offer that, knowing that they would have to give him even more. And I don't think that that's a GM thing. Oh, I'm just saying, like, I could totally see that. If you look at this, if you look at the complex that this ownership has had, not just GM, but like just actual, the complex that has been around for a while is that no one wants to be here. And when someone finally said they wanted to be here, I think that, in my opinion, they went over the moon and were like, oh my God, Nathan Horton wants to be here. Let's give him all the money because people keep leaving. And then it didn't work out. And then they were anyway, like, well, anyway. crap. <laughs> my, my biggest, Taylor Hall is a symptom of the bigger issue here in that we, we, we you know, we, we just talked about, they traded Marcus Nudavara in, in, in open $2.7 million in cap or $2 million in cap space. They traded Ryan Murray and offer open four. They signed Max Domi to two years. Uh, they, they, in theory, could long-term IR Brady Dubinsky that contract's insured? They wouldn't. Have, they don't have to pay the dollars for it. We did all this, and then Yarmo did press conferences explicitly denying that there was an internal cap. He explicitly denied. No, he didn't say no. Right? He said we don't discuss. He said, he said it hasn't been discussed. He said it has not been discussed. He's not going to, and they're never going to say. But if you're if you're saying it hasn't been discussed, that means the fans are going to assume that there is not one. Is that a bad assumption? Sure. But then when you're say when you're coming out and saying we're protecting ourselves against an offer sheet, regard first of all, there's been one offer sheet signed in the last seven years, and it was Sebastian Ajo. If a t- and no team, there is no team out there. I guarantee you, there's no team out there going to sign Pierre Luc Dubois to an offer sheet that matches Austin Math- what Austin Matthews signed last year and maxes out the offer sheet compensation. That's just not going to happen. Uh, Austin Matthews has scored double the goals PLD has scored in his since their NHL debut. It's just not going to happen. So teams go in. So to say you're protecting yourself from an offer sheet is disingenuous at best. It is incredibly frustrating as a fan to see this team actively shed NHL talent, shed a guy like Marcus Nudavara, who again played the 15th most games of his entire draft class when drafted 189th overall. Shed a guy like Ryan Murray, who while injured, you might be able to get more than a fifth-round pick for. Devontae's was just traded before we started recording from the Islanders to the Colorado Avalanche for two second round picks. It's frustrating as a fan to see all of this talent shipped out of here from a position of strength and Columbus have all this cap space and do absolutely nothing with it. They're going to sign, they're going to resign PLD eventually, probably 
you know, three years, six, $6 million, six, $7 million. Gavrikov gets $3 million. And then you've got all of this cap space and you're, then we get back to, is your marquee signing Miko Koivu? As a fan, as someone who cares deeply about this team, Miko Koivu isn't moving the needle, getting them over the next hump to win something. And it's just hard for me to rationalize You've got two years of Seth Jones on a below-market deal. You've got Zach Wierenski, two years on a below-market deal. You've got Max Domi, two years under contract. Yeah, you've just signed PLD. Oliver Bjorkstrand is still an RFA. These are the years you need to be trying to maximize if you want to try to win. It's what Tampa just did. It's what Boston has done with Charlie McAvoy. They've got their entire first line on below-market deals. It's why Boston is in the conversation. And we're not doing things to improve the one area of the team that needs to improve. And that's top six offense, playmaking and goal scoring reminder. We were 28th in the league in offense last year, and we have done nothing to address that right now. I will say this though. I do think some of that bad luck. I mean, Atkinson should be better than last year. We should see a little bit of an uptick, but it's you're right. It's not like we've seen much, but it's, but that, that takes us, but between Anderson or between trading Anderson for Domi and Atkinson an uptick from Anderson and a full season, we maybe move to 21st in offense. That's not exactly that's, 21st. That, that doesn't move the needle enough to say this team is contending for Stanley cups. And with Seth, with Seth Jones guaranteed to be in town for only two more years you gotta start finding a way to win and that's 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 my biggest frustration i'm just like i i I want nothing but the best for this team and that's why i'm just i I might be hypercritical at times but you know what you know you know i got so uh we we know yarmo likes making trades with chicago and they're a mess right now maybe they can fleece bowman for uh kane or something (laughs) yeah sure okay Jonas Corpusalo for Patrick Kane. Let's, let's call it in. They need a goalie leading offense. Let's do it. the canning cast. I don't know what Chicago's doing because I honestly thought, like, okay, they need a goalie really bad. So we could send Corpusalo over there. He would fit so well. And we could take, like, I don't know, Debrin Cat or anyone that that puts up points. We could we could take one of them. The problem is they don't have a defense. He, then he decided then yeah, right. Then he decided like he was just going to go for the youth aspect, and then he traded away Saad, because that's apparently like his favorite player to trade. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, so this has been happening? I have no clue. And I thought, you know, maybe we could get Saad back just for giggles, but apparently he's now found a new trade partner. I just, I, I, like, I, I, I honestly... Like, at least we don't have Stan Bowman, yeah, okay, right like, now, because... Bo- Right now, not Stan Bowman from a few years ago. Stan Bowman of t- of this season. I, like my 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 big like I know I know I've been called out via Twitter and the comments. I I really do come from a place of love and wanting the best for this team, and I just I see I see a great big glaring hole in goal scoring for this team. It was a hole when Artemi Panarin was here. It was a bigger hole when Artemi Panarin left, and it's a hole that hasn't yet been addressed. And I just. I see options in like, even, even if Yarmo says, you know, there are options in the trade market, we hope to grab someone, but like, if you grab Tyler Johnson from Tampa, is that really making the difference? No. Like it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not, there, there are, it just, and, and while, you know, they might've had to overpay Taylor Hall to get him here. 
Taylor Hall won. Taylor Hall dragged a terrible New Jersey roster to the playoffs. He is really good on the power play. We, I will say that he's a power play. So, like, yeah, I just, and I won bet. I just, I, I, I see why they didn't do it for seven years. But man, like, he couldn't have offered him two or three. I just, it just, it just sucks, man. I just, I want so much better for this team, especially when they're when they've got Jones on a below market deal, and it just sucks to not see anything address them. It, it sucks to not see any moves address the main concern in the immediate, and that's we had the twenty eighth ranked offense last year ahead of like Detroit, Anaheim, and the Los Angeles Kings, and we're still right there. Before we wrap up, will there be a big trade Columbus makes this offseason? No. No. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I, mean, I, I want to go deeper on analysis for that, but I don't, I think. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll try. I'll Listen, try. We never it. agree. Wait, we never agree, and the fact that we agree means it's not going to happen. It's really not going to happen. Right. It probably will happen. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and go a little <laughs> deeper on my analysis than just no. I say no because. We traded from all of our depth in on defense. We don't have much forward depth that's proven to be worth a damn. And the goalie market has mostly dried up now that every goaltender has signed an outrageous deal. Not There's not really a market for Corpus Allo, so we're probably going to roll right into the next season with Corpus Allo and Merzlikens on the, in, in the crease. We'll go in with our blue line, and we'll see what happens. Could Yarmo surprise me? Sure. I was in a pizza shop when he traded Brandon Sod for Artemi Panarin, and I obviously didn't see that one coming. I almost pissed my pants when that happened. Yeah, I was. I was. I didn't see it coming either. Yeah, I was. I was literally standing in line ordering a calzone when that trade went down, and I lost my damn mind in line for my lunch. But if I had, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, because I lose. Anyone who would have has ever played poker with me knows that. I'm not betting on a trade this offseason. Well, luckily, the offseason just started. So, I mean, I guess something can happen. Yarbo's got to do something. I mean, he's not stupid. He knows that. So, we're going to have to see how creative he gets. Well, I I don't know why, but I'm already excited for next season. And I don't know why, because we talked about how everything was a disappointment. But, um, I don't know. I like Max Domi. I like the Max Domi thing. So, I mean, at least that's something. I mean, he's he's got to be better than Wenberg was, so. Like I, I, I've been relentlessly negative on this podcast. I can't let the Max Domi or or the rest of the week overshadow how happy I was that we got a, a legitimately two C on this team. I want to end my part on this podcast by saying I am legitimately happy we actually have a one two punch at center for the first time since Matt Duchesne was here, and before that, yeah, probably ever. Yeah. So I'm I'm legitimately happy that we have a one two punch at center. I will in my part of this podcast. I'm really excited to see happy seeds when we have a positive one, two punch. (laughs) Yeah. My, my positive thing is my parents anniversary today. So that's cool. Oh, it is, it is my parents' anniversary as well. Wait, really? Happy pa- anniversary. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Today is my parents' anniversary as well. What a, what a small world. And, and Will that's really low, random. And low-key, thank you for reminding me to say my parents to say happy anniversary. Hey guys, guess what? My parents' anniversary is November 17th. <laughs> it's not today. I'm sorry. That's funny that it's today, though, for both. That is funny. That's a good way to end this podcast, a little bit of positivity. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of this offseason playing out whatever shape or form it does and we will catch you all next week subscribe to the canon cast on itunes spotify google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode 
leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJCannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out angelapearlie.com for more music and show dates. Ooh.